that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Have you ever asked the question, why are some people religious and others are not? I mean, it's sort of disturbing to see that, you know, a lot of people just don't care about religion and it's not a part of their lives. And uh, a lot of people fit into that category, I believe. Now, when God called me, you know, it was a unique experience because, one, I never really wanted to be religious, and all of a sudden something was going on in my life. God was getting my attention. God was uh, opening up my mind to receive certain truths about the Bible. Uh, before the Bible, I didn't care about the Bible. I couldn't read it. I didn't understand it. It was like reading a book in a foreign language. And all of a sudden, there was an interest there. There was an awareness of God. And uh, it was quite an experience. And eventually, after I had, you know, accepted Christ as my personal Savior and realized what was going on in my personal life, that God indeed was, uh, had taken the veil off of my eyes and was opening up my mind, I began, I, I think the question that I asked back then was, well, God, why don't you just call everybody? Okay, I knew he had called me. And so my question to God was, well, why don't you just open up everybody's mind? Why don't you reveal your truth to everyone? You did it with me. Why don't you call this person and that person and this friend and this family member and this relative? Why don't you do it with all people? And that was the concern back then when I first came into God's church was the question to God was, why don't you just call everybody right now? And I hope, uh, because I mean, by the time this program is over with, I will answer that question. Because I think we all have people in our lives, family members, relatives, that we're concerned about. And we're concerned about the fact that they just don't give a rip about religion. So, now I want to talk about basically two categories of people, but they break down into three, uh, three little areas here, but there are two main groups of people. And they are, first, first group is the called of God. Okay, that's one group I want to talk about today. The second group are what I call the temporarily not called. Okay, temporarily, now let me, let me emphasize that. It's not that God is just cast them aside, it's just that temporarily they're not called of God right now. Okay, that's the second group. The third group that I want to touch on is the temporarily not called, but deeply religious. They have this desire to be religious, but they're not called of God. Okay, so three groups I want to discuss today. All right, let's go with this one group here, the temporarily not called of God. Now, what I want to begin with is uh, an illustration of why Jesus spoke in parables. Now, if you, are, if you are religious, you've been lied to all of your life about the Bible, and one of the lies that you've been taught is the reason Jesus spoke in parables is to make things clear, is to reveal more clearly what he was talking about. Okay, that's a lie. That's not what Jesus said. 
Now we're going to look at what Jesus said. In other words, a parable was like a riddle. I mean, that's probably the best English word to describe what a parable is. It was like a riddle that you had to figure out. Okay, let's take a look at what Jesus said. Now remember, if you've been to Sunday school all of your life, you were taught that the reason Jesus spoke in parables is to make his meaning clearer. Wrong. No, you've been lied to. Okay, let's take a look. Matthew 13 and verse 10. And his disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Okay, they, they wanted to know. Look, why, why are you speaking to the multitudes in parables? On one instant, he, he, he was speaking to, uh, I think, 4,000, in another case, 5,000 people. And the disciples said, look, why, why are you speaking to these people in riddles that they can't get or understand? Okay, what was Jesus' answer? Was his answer, well, to make things more clear for them? No, let's take a look at it. Matthew 13, verse 11. He answered and said to them, because it is given unto you, you the twelve disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Therefore, dropping down, down to verse 13, therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and they hearing, hear not, neither do they understand. And in them, verse 14, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, saying, which said, by hearing you shall hear and not understand, and seeing you shall see but not perceive. For these people's heart is wax gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing. And their, no, excuse me, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. This is a fascinating scripture. Now again, get the picture. Jesus is speaking to the multitude of people. He's speaking to them in riddles and things that they're just not getting. And he says, the reason I'm doing this is because they have closed their eyes. In other words, for these people's heart, notice this, is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes, get this, their eyes, they have closed. Now get that. In other words, the, the, the reason Jesus said he's speaking to them in parables is because they, these people I'm talking to are dull of hearing, they won't hear what I have to say, and their eyes, they have closed. They're not willing to see it. Okay, get this. God looks at the heart of a person. We all know this. God looks upon the heart. And God reasons like this. Now, if I show this person a particular truth, they're going to reject it. They're going to say, oh, that's, I can't believe that. That's not in the Bible. If I show them truth, they're going to reject it. And so guess what God does? He blinds the heart. He blinds the eye. In other words, he, he speaks in riddles that no one can get or understand. Because he knows the heart, and he knows that if I were to show this person truth, they would reject it. And so he just chooses to allow them to continue to shut their eyes, to blind, to stop up their ears and not hear. Now, let's continue on in verse 16. Matthew 13, verse 16. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, but blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears they hear. Now, who's he speaking to? Okay, he's not speaking to the multitude now. He's speaking to the disciples. Okay, he's speaking to the disciples. And he says, your eyes have not been blinded, and your ears are not shut up. 
And then he goes on in verse uh, 18. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Now get this. Jesus explained the riddle to the twelve, not to the multitude. Not to the multitude. He explained this parable, this riddle, to the twelve. Okay. Now what we're talking about here is the difference between those who are called and those who are not called, temporarily not called at this time. The ones that are called will get it, they will respond, and the ones who are not called at this time will not get it. They've stopped up their ears, they don't want to see, they don't want to hear. Okay. Alright, now, John 6 and verse 44. Let's, let's consider what Jesus said about why some people, you know, um, you know first of all, some people just don't get it. All right, John 6 and verse 44. Jesus said this. He said, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, again, what we're dealing with here are those who are temporarily not called. Temporarily, they're not called. Why? Because the Father is not drawing them at this time. That's why some people are religious and some people are not. They're temporarily not called. You know, I just don't buy into the, the lie that I've heard told so many times over and over again that there's this great battle between Satan and God. And Satan is desperately trying to get everybody lost and God is desperately trying to... It's like a tug of war between God and Satan. Like a tug of war. And it seems like the devil's winning, by the way. But I just don't buy into that. You know, if someone comes up to me and says, well, I'm an atheist. I, uh, I, I don't believe in God. I'm really not that worried about them because I know the Father is not drawing, not calling that person at this time. I'm really not that concerned about people who die in an unsaved condition because I realize God was not calling them at this time and God was not draw the Father was not drawing them at this time. That's what I clearly understand. Now I want to look at on the other side of the coin those who are called right now. Those who are called now. Let me ask you a question: Could that person be you that God is calling right now? You know, don't sell yourself short. Don't say, "Oh, I'm nobody. God is not interested in me." Don't go down that road. I'm asking you: Could it be that God is calling you right now? It's a wonderful experience if he is. It's a fascinating destiny if he is. All right, let's take a look at James 1 and verse 18. It says, Of his own will begot he us with, a, with the word of truth, notice that, with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. Notice, a first fruit. God is now calling a first fruit. Now what does that imply? Well, impli that implies there is a first fruit and that other fruits will come later. But right now, God is just calling a first fruit. You see, there are two harvests. There were two harvests in Israel. You know, there was a first fruit, but then there was a later harvest that occurred in the fall season. And Israel was an agrarian society, and the holy days revolved around its seasonal agrarian, you know, planting time and all that. So the, one of the first things is that you understand is that God now, there was a first fruit that God was dealing with right now. He's calling right now. There will be another harvest later. 
and the second resurrection. Right now, we're just dealing with the first fruits. Now, again, could you be one of the first fruits that God is calling now? You know, I mean, let me just tell you something. When I do a program, you know, I'm aware that this, this program is not your typical Sunday go-to-meeting religious program. Uh, you know, I, I realize that it's just, you know, it, it's something different. Uh, that when I do a program, I am painfully aware of the fact that the majority is not going to respond to what I say. Because much of what I say, you're not going to hear it in church, okay? You're not going to hear the things that I talk about in your local church. So I am painfully aware of the fact that when I do a program, that the majority is not going to respond to what I'm talking about. I don't expect them to, okay? I don't expect them to. But I do expect the first fruits that God is now calling to respond. Again, don't sell yourself short. Now, I want to just go through some points about when God first started calling me what happened in my life so that you can sort of relate to it and maybe pick up on whether God is working in your life right now. Whether maybe you are one of the first fruits that God is calling now. One of the first things that was interesting for me was I, I never wanted to be religious. Um, I have to this day a, a, really a stigma against, towards religious people. I sort of have this imagery of backing you up into the corner. Do you know the Lord, brother? Have you given your heart to the Lord? You just need to accept Jesus into your heart. Just give your heart to the Lord. You know, I've sort of got that mentality. And I, I don't really hang out with a lot of religious people because I found that, you know, religious people like to talk religion, but they really are not that interested in doing it, you know. So uh, I never, now I knew that there was a God. I could look at creation when God first called me and figure out I was smart enough to realize there must be a creator God, but I didn't want to be religious. Another thing about me when God called me, it seemed in my personal life that I sort of had more in common with the sinner. You know, really, I mean, you know, it's, it's, the sinners are more teachable. Religious people are not. You can't teach a religious person anything. So it seemed like I had more in common with the sinner than I did the religious, religious people. And that's sort of still true today, you know. Uh, I'd probably rather hang out with sinners than I would religious people. <laughs> probably rather go to a bar, you know, or something like that. But anyway, uh, another thing that occurred to me when God called me, it was that the Bible, a book that was like a foreign language to me before, all of a sudden began to make sense. There was a desire to study it and to read it, which is something that had never occurred before in my life. Another thing that happened when God was calling me was a, a, a conviction of sin. There was what I call, you know, most people, religious people, I think, generalize their sins. You know, they, well, yeah, I used to smoke, I used to drink a little bit, uh, I fooled around and fell in love. And, uh, but they, they just sort of generalize their sin. Now, for me, it was specific. There was a particular sin that was destroying my life. And I had gotten to the point where I realized, unless God intervenes, I'm going to self-destruct. That was the depravity of my, of my sin. I mean, it was really, it was, it was like a helpless feeling. You know, it's like, okay, unless something, ha unless the divine intervenes, I am doomed. I will self-destruct. So there was a deep 
personal conviction of sin in my life when God called me. Another thing you want to look at, you know, are you being convicted of sin? And another thing that, that happened to me was, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to other religious religions or other preachers or anything, but the truth of the matter is, I was exposed to some hard-hitting truths back then from an evangelist that's long since passed away, but uh, my intellect had to be challenged. Now, again, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but when God called me, I would have never responded hearing some of the stuff that I hear today from religion. In other words, when God was calling me, if, I, if all I ever heard was, just believe, just give your heart to the Lord, uh, just accept Jesus into your heart, just sign this track on the dotted line, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, now if you accept Jesus into your heart, raise your right hand, I would have never responded to that kind of pablum. In other words, my intellect had to be challenged. I came up against some hard-hitting stuff that challenged me, and I thought, wait a minute, what's that guy saying? I can't believe, that's not in the Bible. I'm gonna prove him wrong. I'm gonna go prove him wrong. You said, that, that's, that's what occurred to me, that, I had, that, the, that the intellect has to be challenged. And that's one of the things that occurs you know, when God is calling you. It's not the fluff and the puff and the pablum that you normally hear that's going to get, any, get your attention if you are one of the elect of God. That stuff's never going to work. It's not going to get your attention. The intellect has to be challenged. Now, <clears throat> so I hope that will help you in sort of grasping, okay, could it be that God is calling me at this time? The third group I want to mention is those not called at this time, temporarily not called, but desperately want to be religious. Now, a lot of people fit into that category, by the way. They're not called at this time, but they, they really want to be religious. These are the people that give religion a bad name, by the way. These are the ones that make religious people look like hypocrites. They're really not called, but they want to be. They, I mean, they want to be religious, I should say. You know, and a lot of these people fit into what I call the generational Christians. They, uh, their parents before them were religious. You know, my parents were a Baptist, my parents were a Catholic, and now I'm a Catholic and I'm a Baptist, and that's just the way it is. And they just sort of just fall in place following the tradition of their parents. That's what I call generational Christians. They're not called, but they want to be religious. A lot of people fit into what I call the social group of, of Christians. Church is like a social group. You can go there and you can connect up with some business people. Maybe you can meet a girl or a woman or something like that, find a wife. But it's more like a social pep rally, uh, a thing that you go to that just sort of you hear some good messages about God wants to bless you. He wants you to have that BMW. He wants you to have that three-car garage. And it's sort of good. You know, yeah, I like that. And I can relate to that. And that's exactly what I want. And and, and it's a sort of more like a social group. It's not really a church, it's a social group that they go to. Another thing, uh, people that are not called but desperately want to be religious is somewhat uh, what I would call a selfish motive. They, they want to get their hides saved. You know, I just, and that's what they're concerned about. That's, that's, in fact, that's the only thing they're concerned about. They just want to, you know, they just want to get that 
that question settle, you know, when I, because I don't really, I'm not crazy about going to that bad place where it's real hot, you know, I don't want to go there. And I'm not too excited about heaven and go, you know, Christian retirement for all eternity, but I'd rather go there than I would to the hell place. And so they, they want to get themselves saved, and, and so they do whatever they were christened. Uh, someone threw some water on them as a child, and they've settled that in their heart. And uh, again, the, these are people not called, but they want to be religious. And their religion goes, is very shallow. They made the, you know, they've settled that big issue. They know where they're going. I'm heaven bound, but there's no conversion or anything like that. Okay, that third group of people is those that are not temporarily not called, but desperately want to be religious. Okay. Now, Pentecost is the is referred to as the first fruits. I want to offer you something here, entitled Pentecost the First Fruits. It is the Pentecost is the third annual holy day, and this will explain more in detail what I'm talking about. And it, hopefully it may answer to your question, could it be God is calling you? Now one of the things you'll learn in this book, this magazine, it's free magazine, just for the asking, just write to the, the uh, address at the bottom of the screen and I'll send it to, this to you free of charge. Very nice magazine, free of charge. I won't beg you for money. It's free, it's yours, just for the asking, okay? The first thing you'll find in here is that the New Testament church began on Pentecost. That's right. The New Testament church began on this day, on Pentecost, which always falls on a Sunday, by the way. Uh, Matthew 16, and verse 18, it says, And I say also unto thee that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I want to bring out some points here. First of all, Jesus said, I... Jesus is speaking. He says, I'm going to build my church. Not a bunch of preacher boys. Not a bunch of religious organizations. I'm going to build my church. Another thing that is interesting is that Jesus said, I will build my church. In other words, it was a future event. This is 2,000 years ago. Before that, the church did not really exist. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, I will meaning it's a future event into the future from this day forward I will build my church. The church, the word church there means ecclesia, it means called out ones. Again the first fruits, the called out ones. When you think of church you're thinking of a building. No, that's not a church. The word church there is ecclesia and it means called out one, the ones that God calls out. The first fruit, the elect, the chosen of God. Another thing you'll find in this booklet is, this magazine, is that right now the world is cut off from the Holy Spirit of God. Temporarily, most people are cut off from the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why would I say such a thing? That's sort of harsh, is it not, to say that? Well, let's take a look at Genesis 3 and verse 22. And the Lord said, God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, knowing good and evil now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Uh, skipping on down to verse 24. So he drove out the man out of the, out of the place at the east of the Garden of Eden, uh, east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims, and a flaming sword with, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So he drove the man out. He placed at the Garden of Eden this 
angelic cherubim, what's referred to as a cherubim, a flaming sword, with a flaming sword, to keep them from the tree of life. Well, what does the tree of life represent? Well, it represents the Holy Spirit of God. It represents eternal life. And so, 6,000 years ago, mankind was cut off from access to that tree, access to the Holy Spirit of God. God is only right now calling a first fruit. Now, the third thing that we learn from this magazine is that God now is only calling a few. He's only calling a few right now. Can anyone, can everyone who wants to come to Christ receive God's Spirit and thereby become a member of His church? All right, answer, John 6 and verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. The answer is no, no. Okay, the fourth thing you're going to find in this magazine is that the church is now preparing for God's kingdom. That's the reason God calls the elect right now the first fruits. They are preparing for that soon coming government of God that's going to be placed on this earth. They will be teachers and leaders in this kingdom of God. The church is now preparing for God's kingdom. That's what this life is all about, if you are called of God. Okay. The fifth thing is that God's Spirit empowers. Yeah. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit of God, and that Spirit empowers you. Joel 2 and verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass that afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. You know, it's about power, power from God the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit of God. Now, did you know that Acts 5.32 says that God gives His Spirit to those that obey Him? Yeah? Hey, let's clear this up right off the bat. If you want to be empowered by God's Spirit, you're going to have to have a willingness to do what He says, to obey Him. God does not give His Spirit. First of all, He only gives His Spirit to those who are called the first fruit. And once having been called, if you want to be empowered, you have to have a willingness to surrender to him and obey and do what he says. You will never be empowered without obedience to God. That's the bottom line. Now, the sixth thing that you'll find in this magazine is that Christ is the first fruit. What do I mean by that? Well, he was the first fruit from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22 says this, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, that is Christ was the firstfruits from the dead. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. You see, we too are going to be a part of the firstfruit from the dead. You know, I want to be a part of this, firstfruits from the dead. I mean, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are going to die one day. And there is the first fruits from the dead, which implies, you know, two harvests. There's going to be the first harvest, the first resurrection, and then there's going to be the second resurrection, which will be another harvest of people. But I want to be a part of that first fruits from the dead. I don't want to miss the government of God on this earth, the 1,000-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ on this earth. I want to be a part of that. So I don't want to miss the first fruits from the dead. Okay, so we come full circle here. I began by my question long ago, about 25 years ago. My question was, well, why doesn't God just call everyone? 
You know, I realized he had called me and I thought, well, why don't you just call everyone right now? And now I have my answer. That you have three groups of people in the world. The called of God. Secondly, the temporarily not called of God. And third, the temporarily called, not called of God, but deeply religious. Now I want to ask you a question. What group do you belong to? Because you do belong to one of those groups. And listen, don't sell yourself short. God could be calling you at this time. And that's what's really in your Bible.